0: And as you do, let me just say, this series that we are in, this is the eighth Sunday that we've been talking about Doomsday Preppers. Everybody say Doomsday Preppers. Now, for those that do not know Jesus Christ, listen carefully. The end of days and the last day will be a day of doom and gloom. It'll be the worst day and the last day, the last day. if If you don't know Jesus Christ, listen carefully. The last day will be your worst day. But for those who know Christ, and how many of you here can say, I know that I know him in my heart. Say amen. amen. Those that know him, it'll be that glorious day. One of the old hymns says, this, will be the, this could be the dawning of that grand and glorious day. When the face of Jesus we behold. And let me just tell you, today that, that we have a responsibility as God's people to prepare our life and family for the end of days. And we've learned that really the, the birthing of the church was the beginning of the last day. In fact, next Sunday is not Memorial Day weekend. You need to understand that. In fact, what is Sunday in the day of the week? It's not the weekend. It's the, it's the week beginning. Everybody say Sunday's the week beginning. And so, number one, uh, I want to encourage you to be here Sunday because it's not only Memorial Day weekend. uh, Really, it's the week beginning. It's Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday is celebrated all over the world. It's the birthday of the church. And listen, how many of you appreciate the church that Jesus is building? Amen. It's his, it's the church's birthday. So be here for the church's birthday next Sunday. And because we're celebrating the birth of the church and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In fact, let me just say to Michael, man, next Sunday, we're just going to stir up the Holy Spirit in this place and find ourselves with a fresh outpouring and presence of the Holy Spirit. And because it's Pentecost Sunday. Everybody say, I'm going to be a Pentecostal. Amen. Everybody say, I am Pentecostal. Amen. We better be, because that's what birthed the church, was a Pentecostal experience. And so, that began the end of days. So we need to be what God wants us to be in these last days. And that's what this series has been about. We've looked in Matthew 24 and 25, where the disciples asked Jesus some all-important questions. When he began to prophesy about the end of days, Matthew 24, they said, When will this be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And he began to declare some things to them in Matthew 24 and 25. I would encourage you to saturate yourself with the insights that Jesus gave. Then we've looked at Revelations 1, uh, 2, and 3 throughout these last eight weeks. In fact, going to look there again. In fact, last Sunday we looked in 2 Peter chapter 3. I would encourage you to go back. In fact, go back and get these messages. If you've missed these, I want to encourage you to get a hold of them by way of our website. In fact, most of them are by way of video. And I want to encourage you to just saturate yourself with the preparations that we need as, a, as our family and friends preparing our lives for the end of days because we're living there. And everybody said amen. Now, when you look to, really, when you look through the New Testament, here's going to be the overall theme. Here it is. Be ready. Jesus is coming again. Everybody say Jesus is coming again. In fact, the last read that you can read, the last words of Jesus that you can read that are read in Revelation 20, is it 22? Is there 22? Yeah, Uh, It's, behold, I'm coming quickly. Everybody say he's coming quickly. You say all oh, they've been saying that for years. Well, you need to go back and read Revelations chapter, pardon me, Second Peter chapter three, where Peter addresses that. He says a day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. Understand something? Jesus is coming back to planet Earth. In fact, one insight even about the word revelation in the in the book of Revelation, uh, it really means something beyond an uncovering and an revealing. It means a returning, a coming again. Uh, you can study it. You can read it out so the revelation of Jesus The uncovering of the Inside of the return of Jesus Christ To planet earth Oh read the end of the book I'm telling you it's exciting He's coming on a white horse Woo-hoo! With all his angels It's going to be glorious Everybody do your best trumpet sound I'm telling you with the sound of the trumpet And the voice of the archangel He's coming back again Amen You need to understand that. That's why we need to be ready. Everybody say, be ready, be ready, be ready. Hey, I'm going to go through them quickly. Here we go. Here's some thoughts I had. These last few weeks We talked about the revelation of Jesus We need a revelation of Jesus In our lives John the revelator had a revelation of Jesus And we learned this To not be overwhelmed by the end of days We must be overwhelmed by the ancient of days His name is Jesus Listen, don't let the end of days scare you Just get a revelation of Jesus And everything will be alright in your life Just see him for who he is John the revelator had a revelation Not only of his presence He, did, he was not only overwhelmed by his presence But he was overwhelmed by his person. Read Rev-, Rev 1. I'm telling you, he had an insight and a revelation of Jesus in his life. Amen. We need that. Then we talked about the revelation of the church. Revelations 1 or Revelation 1. He's John sees this great vision and Jesus appears to him and he's walking in the midst of seven lampstands. And it says he's walking in the And the lampstands are what? They are the Come on say it, the lampstands are the, the churches. How many of you know G and, and this is what we said, to prosper and be productive and proactive in the midst of the end of days, place yourself where Jesus is in the midst of His church. That's where we all need to be. Oh, OMG. Don't be disconnected from the body of Christ in these last days. We need each other more than ever before. Then we talked about the revelation of relationship. John the Revelator, when he wrote to the churches, he says, uh, John, your brother and companion in the midst of the tribulation, listen, what you and I need to understand in the end of days, it's not prestige, pro- position, or property that will protect and provide us. Righteous relationships with God and the family of God, on the other hand, will. Look at somebody around you and say, we need each other, my friend. The revelation of real relationship. And then we talked about the dynamic duo. It was a two-parter. The revelation of the Word of God and the revelation of the Spirit of God. And I want us all to read this out loud together. Could we do that? I'm not talking about under your breath. I'm talking about like you were trying to get somebody's attention. Here we go. The dynamic duo. Let's read it together. To guard and undergird our lives and families in the midst of these deceptive and difficult days as well as be able to go in all the world with the gospel, we must be governed and guided by God's Holy Word and His Holy Spirit in all of our ways and in all of our days. The dynamic duo. What a powerful insight to be ready and prepared in the last days. And then last week, we talked about this and we're going to hit it again today. It's the revelation of responsibility. What's our responsibility? You see, knowledge produces responsibility. If you had the knowledge that you, that you could cure cancer, you would have a res- responsibility with that knowledge. Here it is. Let's read this out loud. The knowledge of the imminent return of Jesus Christ to planet earth should move us to live out our lives much differently than other people. In fact, did you know uh, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17, I think it says this, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new we have to live our life much differently. And last week we talked about that in Second Peter chapter 3. I encourage you to go back. If you missed that, get a hold of that. In fact, this morning I, I understood it. Uh, let me just say, every Sunday morning I interact with pastors and preachers, really from all over the nation, and we encourage one another. Your pastor encouraged p- pastors this morning by way of text all over this area and all over uh, Texas and some in other states. Uh, just encouraging each other with the Word of God and making a big difference. Pastor Ron, I found out this morning, is preaching from 2 Peter chapter 3 that I preached from last week. Uh, and I, I sent him his, my notes. I said, I don't want to mess up your, uh, your message today. But here's what I said last week in case you need a little help. Uh, I don't know if he took it or not. But we encourage one another. And it seems that God is saying some of the same things to others around us. And so should He. And so this morning, we want to embrace this truth, that the knowledge of the imminent return of Jesus Christ to planet earth should move us to live out our lives much differently than other people. In fact, Peter said this in Second Peter, I can't remember what chapter, but he said, oh, 2 Corinthians 2, I, pardon me, 2 Peter 2, I can't quite get the verse, but he said, you're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a peculiar people. Everybody say we're just a little peculiar. That we should show forth the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That means we're different from everybody. It doesn't mean we isolate. It means we insulate. And, mean, and then, we, uh, then we invade and infect our world with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. So with that in mind, are you in in Revelation 2 and 3? If you're there, look at your neighbor and say, I'm there, how about you? Revelation 2 and 3, I want you to read these two chapters later. These are the letters that, that Jesus, the resurrected Christ, told John the Revelator to write to the seven churches, the seven golden lampstands. In fact, a little interesting insight, they all began to the angel. Everyone say the angel that word means really messenger. There is a little duplicity of, of interpretation there. Some say that all churches have angels, and I believe that. How many of you believe in angels? So it could mean just as it reads, uh, the angel that's overseeing those churches. I, you need to realize that there's angels in, the, in this in this room today. And uh, in fact, they're guarding the door so you can't get out until I tell you you can but the word meaning messenger could also mean the messenger or the pastor or the voice of the church. How many of you know I understand this as the pastor of the church, that if something's fishy in Denmark, he's going to come straight to me because I understand that. So uh, whatever, that's just a little fault for you to think of, but, and I want you to read them later uh, because I'm not going to look at the content as much as the outline of them to help us uh, uh, embrace the responsibility we all have when we understand and realize that Jesus Christ is coming back to planet earth. And so I'm going to give it to, I have four thoughts this morning. I may only hit two. I may hit three. Uh, I may hit all four, depending on the time. Maybe we'll just see. Uh, you know, one, one of my pastor friends who's very boisterous and can talk really good and much better, smarter than me. He says, all my sermons are like Oscar Weiner's. You can cut them off at any point point; they still work pretty good. I didn't really like that, but it never left me. So I thought I would regurgitate that onto you this morning. But uh, I think that'll work in this case. So with that in mind, let me just say this, that these letters that Jesus uh, gave to John to write, they're all about analysis and adjustment. Everyone say analysis and adjustment. Now listen carefully, if you're here today and you are not analyzing or allowing the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God, the the Word of God to analyze your life and then adjust your life, you're in trouble. Because in these last days, these letters all, every church, in fact, understand something about these seven churches, there was two out of the seven that he didn't have anything bad to say about. But but regardless of the fact that some of them, in fact, at least one of them, he didn't have anything good to say about, he still is walking in the midst of his churches. Are you with me? And so today, as a member of the church, it doesn't matter where you are, if you will yield yourself to the analysis of God, because there's some things in our life that need to change. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you and me this morning. There's some things that, so, so once once he analyzes these churches and he shows them where they need him, he gives them opportunity and insight and direction to adjust their lives. And all of us need some analysis and adjustment. How many of you would rather Jesus analyze you than some doctor? Or how many of you would appreciate it if I came over and started quizzing you and Marking down, you know, in the red things that I need, you need. No, listen, the spirit of God is, is busy about the business of preparing our life. That's why we've got to be ready. Everybody say you got to be Ready? And that's what he's saying to these churches. You're not ready, you're not ready, you're not ready. There's some things that need to change. So I have four thoughts that I may get to t- uh, uh, all four, but maybe three, we'll see. The first one is this, and, and about all these uh, seven churches, this is a commonality, it's listen up. Everyone say listen up. He finishes every letter to all seven churches with this thought. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. He who has an ear to hear. In other words, it's possible and probably probable that the church or at very least people in the church are in the church but they are not hearing what God is saying. And understand something that, that what I glean from this is in these last days, God wants to speak to us today. The Spirit of God has something to say to you. The Spirit of God has something to say to me. The Spirit of God has something to say to the churches. And that includes us. And so all seven, listen up. Everybody say, listen up. And we need to realize that and understand that God wants to speak to us. And, and the he who has an ear to hear. Now, let me ask you, do you have an ear to hear what God is saying to you? And you know what? God, sometimes God will speak through a donkey. <laughs> How does a donkey go? That was a goat. Oh! I tried donkey and goat came out. How many of you think I ought to keep my day job there? All right. right. Hey, God can talk through any, any means he so desires. I heard, I heard one pastor, a very well-known pastor, he was always getting critical letters, critical letters, critical letters. You know, when you get knowledgeable, everybody's a critic. You know, when you become popular, and so he was a nationwide pastor, and he told his secretaries, just throw them all in the trash. And the Spirit of God said, and wait, some of them may be for you. In other words, hey, don't automatically assume God's not speaking to you through some people. And so we need to listen up. Hey, guess what, guys? All the guys say, what, well, Pastor? Every once in a while, God might even talk to you through your wife. Hello. Hello. Are you serious? (laughs) Hey, if he can talk through a donkey, he can talk through your wife. Hey, Now, wait, 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 wait. I didn't say your wife was a donkey. You just went that way in your head. Shame on you. Everybody say, listen up. Listen, when Jesus spoke to these churches and all, and again, uh, at least five out of the seven had some big issue, though, let me just kind of break it down. Jesus' words to these churches came in kind of three, three categories. Number one, words of commendation. He, he would begin at least five out of the seven, he had something good to say about the churches. Now that makes me feel better, amen? You know, let me just say, Jesus is not finished with the church. Jesus hasn't given up on the church. Everybody's criticizing the church. you got friends who've given up on the church. They go, to, they go to the church in their house. I bet that's fun. They have house church. Ooh, wouldn't that be glorious? Now, I'm not criticizing and in investing in your family, but let me tell you something. When Jesus talked about the church, he wasn't talking about your family. That's just a part of the church. could it get a better amen and so he has something good to say about all of them he's not giving up on the church don't let your friends and neighbors cause you to think you don't need the church we need one another And he commends these churches you read it later in fact here's the one the, uh, it's, some call it the loveless church chapter 2 it's Ephesus he says uh, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works your labor your patience and that you cannot bear those who are evil and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars and you have persevered and had patience and have labored for my namesake and have not uh, uh, become weary man I'm telling you give this church a brownie star he commends them for all that they're doing right but then you see the next verse nevertheless when you hear that you need to go oopsie daisy here we go it's time to, for the second thought, and that is that sometimes and in at least five of these seven churches, Jesus speaks with words of condemnation. Now, he's not condemning the church, but he is condemning the lifestyle of the church. Listen, God loves the church. Amen? Everybody say, God loves the church. Everybody say, if God loves the church, I love my church. Everybody say, I, everybody say, I love my church. Ooh, everybody say, I love my pastor. regardless, I love him. It doesn't matter if he wears silly jeans and things. I I love my pastor. I love my church. I love my church family. And so uh, Jesus loves the church and he speaks words of commendation, but then he speaks words of condemnation. Verse four, this is just by illustration. Nevertheless, chapter two, nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. Listen. There's some things in our life that we need to let Jesus show us that He does not like. Let me ask you this. Are there things in your spouse that you just don't like? Yeah. Is there habits and issues and attitudes? I just don't like that. Well, hey, listen, the Lord of the church is looking down on the church. The head of the church, he's looking down upon us. He says, there's some things about you that that I just don't like. In fact, I'm condemning that lifestyle. You've left your first love. That is not good. That is not right. And when you read through some of them, you go, OMG, that's going on in the church. How many of you know, a lot of times when you start examining the church, it's not much different than the non-churched. And so jesus words to the churches were words of commendation but then words of condemnation and then here's the cool part because this is the adjustment aspect of the analysis you know there's a lot of people who can uh can diagnose your issue you know i can i can hear people tell me their issue i said well i can tell you what's wrong but it's another thing to give you a prescription to help you get beyond the diagnosis and Jesus comes with words of adjustment and words of, of correction. And here's what he, he speaks, words of correction and direction. In fact, this church here in chapter 2, the church in Ephesus, he says, you've left your first love. Verse 5, remember therefore from which you have fallen. Repent and do the verse works or else I will come to you quickly. Uh, and, and so he gives words of correction. Listen to me today. All of us including this preacher need to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the churches and I can guarantee you this if you've done anything good he'll tell you how he loves you and how he appreciates what you've done but there's some things in all of our life that need to be condemned we need to look at some things in our life this thing has to go The Spirit of God wants to condemn some lifestyle choices that we've made and some places where we've fudged and we've said, hey, everybody's doing it. Well, let me tell you something. We're living in the last days and that won't wash. Go back to 2 Peter chapter 3 where he said, now knowing that this place will melt with a fervent heat, what manner of persons ought we to be in all godliness and holiness and righteousness? There's some things in our life that need to be condemned, and then thank God there's some ways to correct those things. What's the Spirit of God saying to us today? What's He saying to the church today? And I keep hearing it over and over again. And it's as your pastor, I have probably haven't had a series that has gone this long. And I just keep hearing it in my heart. We better get ready. That's what he kept telling the disciples when he, Matthew 24 and 25, you better be ready. You gotta be ready. Jesus, I'm coming again. So with that in mind, we better listen up. In these last days, we need a thus saith the Lord in our life. What's Jesus say? What's the spirit of God saying to us today? What are some areas in our life that we know are not right and good and healthy and holy? What is the word of the Lord to correct those things? Listen, God has a way of fixing things in your life. He can fix what's messed up on the inside of you. Amen. Everybody say, listen up. Let me just say as I move on, I want you to take time to hear what God's saying to you. What's God saying to you? Because there's nothing wrong with His mouth. He wants to speak to us. He wants to bring words of correction and even if necessary, condemnation in our lives. So that's gotta go, my friend. You can't, you can't carry that into heaven. You can't carry that into the future. It's got to go. Here's the correction. Here's the corrective word. Here's the direction you need in your life. And even the churches that he had no condemnation, they were, they were healthy churches. There's the persecuted church, and then uh, which is uh, verse 8. It's the church in Smyrna. And then the faithful church in chapter 3, verse 7, the church in Philadelphia. He had no words of condemnation, but he had certainly words of direction and insight about things they needed to watch out for. And hey, on your very best day, God wants to speak to you. On your very worst day, God wants to speak to you. So if you don't hear anything else that I say today, if your attention span is almost gone, grab a hold to this. You better listen up and and listen to what God's saying to you today because He wants to speak to you. He got John all the way on the aisle called Patmos away from internet and passwords and football And Facebook, there wasn't Facebook back then. You just had to look people in the face. There was face. And he had no faces to look at. Jesus showed up in his midst and said, listen, you've got a big job. I need you to write me a letter to the seven churches. You better listen up. Write down what you see in here. He wrote the letters. and of course, he wrote the Revelation that is all about Jesus. Everybody say it's all about Jesus. Some people read Revelation and say, oh, it's about the end of days. <laughs> the seals and the judgment. <laughs> no, it's about Jesus coming back again. Have you read the end of the book? Amen. Everybody say, listen up. Number two, the second insight I see from these letters that Jesus told John to write that should inspire in, as he analyzes and adjusts our life that adjustment element ought to cause us to number two line up everybody say line up he's, he's lining us up he's telling the churches hey this has to go this is what you need to do this is how it's called getting your house in order If Jesus, if you knew Jesus was going to show up in the flesh in your home at 1230 today Most of you would flee from this place and head home and start picking up the dirty laundry. Hiding the TV remotes. Clearing your internet history. Oh, I'm getting too close. I better, I better remember. We'd start lining up, right? Hey, Jesus is coming back. He's coming to visit us. He's coming to take us home. We need to line up, get our house in order. It's interesting to me. I love the I love the illustrious the, the the illustrated vision that John had. He said he saw Jesus and seven golden lampstands. That's the churches. He says the seven lampstands are the seven churches and and they're gold. How many of you know gold represents purity? He's endeavoring to purify the church. It also represents great value. Re- re- revealing that God values the church He's not given up on the church And we're lampstands We'll talk about that in a moment But it signifies value and purity And listen, we look at our lives And we go, man, I don't feel very pure I don't look very pure That's why we need to line up and Everybody say, we got to line up we got to get ready. we got to prepare our house for the visitation of God and the return of Jesus Christ to planet Earth. Listen, understand something to me today. The knowledge that he's coming back again, the the imminent return of Jesus ought to change the way we live our life on planet Earth. The anticipation and expectancy, and we know the reality that most really don't think he's coming back, at least not in our lifetime. But the Bible says it'll be like the days of Noah. Noah's days, everybody was having fun. There was no problems. Read it in Matthew 24. Oh, everybody's eating, drinking, and being merry. Gas prices were good. Money was good. Life was good. And all of a sudden, the door was shut. Listen, the Bible says, in the last days, it'll be just like that. People will just be having a blast, loving God, maybe loving the flesh, living their life, but one day the door will shut. The opportunity to give our lives to Christ will be gone. Listen, we need to ready our lives and prepare our lives for the fact that He's coming again. Let me give you some insights here, Uh, uh, just quickly. Listen, if we want to line up, there, there needs to be some conviction come to the house of God. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will convict us of our sin. We need to yield to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, you know, I don't like it when people tell me my faults. Come on, how how many of you like it when somebody just looks at you and says, you know what, you're just a rebel. You say, no, I am not. (laughs) You just are this, no, I... Because they, they're they getting too close to the, I don't like it when people tell me my faults but Let me tell you something We need to let the Holy Spirit I'd rather the Holy Spirit convict me of, of, the, of the error of my way The lack of purity in my life I'd rather the Holy Spirit convict me Than somebody else expose me Come on now I would just yield We need to yield to the Holy Spirit's conviction And then when we get convicted There needs to come a confession Somebody say confession And I'd rather confess it to him Than, than have to admit it to somebody else and John the Revelator wrote John chapter 1 verse 9 he said if we confess our sin he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, if you want to line up you need to yield to the conviction of the Holy Spirit and begin to allow the confession of God to be released within you. Listen he already knows. You need to understand that. In fact he said when you pray, pray this way. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. There needs to be a new confession coming to the house of God. In fact Jesus said this in Matthew cha- pardon me, Mark chapter 4 he said for there's nothing hidden that will not be revealed nor anything been kept secret that will not come to the light. We'll stand before God and give an account for our life but if we confess it in this life and forsake it in this life when we get to that life it will not be there because it will be under the blood hallelujah everybody say we need to listen up. Everybody say we need to line up. So there's got to be a conviction. There's got to be a confession. There's got to be correction. You see, we pro- the Holy Spirit can provides the conviction. We provide the confession. And guess what? God provides the correction. He'll come and correct us. In fact, Hebrews says this that, uh, that He corrects those. He disciplines those. He, he corrects those whom He loves and He loves the church. And He'll bring correction in our life. Amen. What needs to change? God can change things in our life. And then finally, this is the great part about lining up because there will one day become a completion. There will be a completion to these things. Did you know that, that your life will come to end on this, this, in this life? There will be a completion, in fact, in the completion of all things. Here's the, here's the next thing that is, that, that, it, that is the same directive to all seven churches, even though they were all unique and different. Uh, not only did he say, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. He said that in his conclusion. But he also said this, he who overcomes. Everybody say, he who overcomes. That word, that phrase, overcomes, means subdues, prevails, gets the victory. He who remains victorious. Let me tell you something today. The expectation of Jesus for your life and this church and his churches is that we walk and live and finish this race victorious in him. He who overcomes. Listen, when I stand before him and I will stand before him, when you stand before him and you will stand before him, may it be said that he won the victory, that we stood victorious, that we didn't let this end of day's deception undermine our life. This end of day's destruction and and trouble and trauma that undergird the foundation of our faith that when we finish, we finish strong and we come to the close of our life standing before God victorious Victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Somebody say amen. I don't want to waddle into heaven all crippled up. I don't want to crawl into the throne room all beaten up by life. I want to be able to stand with Jesus and worship him and know that, hey, because of what he's done through my life, I was victorious in this life. Amen. I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Everybody say, listen up. Everybody say, line up. Listen. Number three, and I'm going to close with number three. We need to light up. Everybody say, light up. Now, I'm not talking about a doobie brother. The lampstands. The ch- What's the church? Jesus said, Oh, I'm fixing, to sh- I'm fixing to reveal myself to John the Revelator. I'm fixing to get him to write a letter to the seven churches. What I want him to see when he sees the churches. Oh, I know. Hola, they are the light of the world. I want to see their lampstands, for goodness sake. And lampstands are for the purpose of carrying the what? The light. In fact, Jesus said. When he was walking planet earth, he said, I'm the light of the world. But he also said to us as his disciples, when he began to talk about discipleship, and we talked about this at the first of the year when we talked about being contagious, he said in Matthew 5, you are the what? Come on, say it. You are the light of the world. The church is the light. And what we see, uh, sadly, is that many churches have the form of church, but there is no light. And we need to light it up. Everybody say light it up. That is, Jesus said this in Matthew 5. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Let uh, uh, Do your work so much so. Light up your life so much so that others see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, the world needs to see Jesus in us. I said the world needs to see Jesus in us. We are the light of the world. When people drive by Church on the Rock North, something ought to go, whoo. Man, I sense the light. What's going on in there? There's a light. When people, when you get out in the restaurant this afternoon, they need to see the light. When you get up in the morning and go to work, your work people need to see the light. We need to light it up. Everybody say, you got to light it up. Interesting insight Jesus gave in Matthew 25. See, he began to answer these disciples and talk about the end of day. Matthew 25, he waxes parabolic. He starts teaching a parable about the ten virgins. And there were ten wise and ten foolish. You remember? Basically, the the story is this. The wise virgins had oil in their lamps. The unwise virgins had no oil in their lamps. They were unprepared. I think that's a great illustration for the church. When Jesus comes back, he better find us lit up with evangelistic fervor and care and concern for the lost. Most people are more concerned about their paycheck than lost friends. We need to see all that a moment. Most people are concerned about their paycheck than they are lost people. That means we're not lit up. Can I be honest with you? Can we talk about this? And as a lampstand, we have a responsibility to carry the light. We need to be found by Him in these last days full of the Holy Spirit of God, the oil of the Spirit of God, filling our life and on fire for Jesus with all our hearts, shining our light to a lost and a dying world. Hey, it's almost put it called Sunday. Let's light it up for goodness sake. Let's get filled up with the Holy Spirit this week. Let's don't wait for Sunday to see if the Spirit of God moves. Some of you come to church to see if the Spirit of God moves. For goodness sake, He's not gonna move if He's not already moving through you. Why don't we come to church with the Spirit of God moving through us today? Why don't we go out into the world with the Spirit of God moving through us today, full of the Holy Spirit? So listen, He wants to move through you, He wants to move in you and through you, and light you up for goodness' sakes. Amen. Everybody, say light it up. That's what these re- these letters to the churches in this analysis and adjustment is all about. It's about lighting it up. And so this morning, let me just throw the I'll throw the last one in because I'm not going to come back to it. We need to lift up. Everybody say lift up. We need to lift up our eyes to the fields. Jesus said this in John 4. He said, Lift up your eyes and look, for the fields are white already under harvest. We need to not only lift up our eyes, but we need to lift up our voices. Peter in Pentecost, he got full of the Holy Spirit. The first thing he did, he gathered together with his, with his, with his brethren and he stood up and he began to lift up his voice and share the gospel. Everybody say, lift up your eyes. We need to stop looking at the checkbook and start looking at God's roll book and realize there are people that are not born again. Begin to lift up our voice. Don't let your friends go to hell. Make it hard for them to go to hell as your friend. And then one day, in that day, we need to be ready to lift up our heads because Jesus said, lift up your head. Your redemption draws nigh. Jesus is coming back. And we must be ready. Let's stand together today. And as we stand together, I'm asking no one to move or leave. We won't be here long. I'm not going to prolong this. I'm just going to allow the Holy Spirit to set up residence in our hearts in a strong way today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today, listen to me carefully, and you're just not sure of your eternity with Christ. You just don't know if if you died today, you'd go to heaven. I want to help you know that. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I want to know for sure that I belong to Him and I am His and He is mine. And if you would help me, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to yield my life like Hunter did a few weeks ago. I want to invite Him into my heart and life with every head bowed. and every eye closed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, pray with me today. I want to ask Christ into my heart. I want to know for sure that I belong to Him. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. I want to be ready for the return of Jesus Christ. If that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to boldly lift your hand wherever you are and say, that's me Pastor. I want to know for sure. Anyone here, just lift it up and just wave it at me. Say, pray for me. God bless you. Anyone else, lift your hand. I've got one or two. Lift your hand, wave it at me. I'm going to pray for I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'm going to pray for you anyone else God bless you I see those hands anyone else I got two there may be another I want to Terry just for a moment if you're here today and you say Pastor I want to join these two who have lifted their hands and I want to know for sure that Jesus Christ lives in my heart lift your hand anyone else amen you can put your hands back down in just a moment I'm going to pray a prayer in fact we're all going to pray a prayer here's what I'm going to ask you that lifted your hands to do. At the close of this service, after we've prayed this prayer, I want to encourage you to come meet some people here in the altar and say, I prayed that prayer and ask Jesus Christ into my heart. And our counselors and team here will make sure you get moving in the right direction, just like Hunter is now moving in the right direction. And so with that in mind, I want us all to pray together. And you that lifted your hand, listen, this is, this is life changer right here. This is not repeating words. This is from your heart. So from your heart, you, you were bold enough to lift your hand. Now I'm going to ask you to be bold enough to pray with all of us here today and invite Jesus Christ. We're going to walk with you to the door. You've got to allow Jesus in. Let's pray together. Everyone together, join these two that lifted their hands. I want everyone to pray this prayer. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me on a cross, for paying for my sin with your own blood. And thank you, Lord, for rising again on the third day so I could have new life. Thank you for doing that for me, Lord. Today I come to you and I give my life to you. I ask you to cleanse me. Forgive me of my sin. I invite you into my heart and into my life. I yield myself to you to be my Lord and the leader of my life. For all of my days and the rest of my days. Today I confess you. As my Savior. And as my Lord. And I thank you today. That because of the word of God. I am now your child. In Jesus name. And everybody said amen. Let's give the Lord of glory a great big praise. And thank him today. Hallelujah. Now listen very carefully. If you lifted your hand at the close of this service, I see Jim and Trish right here. I see uh, Josh and Laura right here. They'll be here. All you have to do is just come and say, I prayed that prayer with your pastor today. And they will uh, welcome you into the family of God, pray for you, give you some information get some information for you and help you keep moving in the right direction so the devil does not deceive you and draw you away so the fir- the soil of your heart will be deep and god's word will go grow strong in your life and the devil will not defeat you how many of you know in these last days we need to be overcomers amen everybody love the lord say amen, amen. well it's been a great day it's been a glorious day people got born again today i said people got born again today People got baptized today. Woo! And there are more people and there are more lost people. And listen, we got to light it up this week. Everybody said we got to light it up.